and welcome to episode six of season one of our podcast, The Heat of Command, Mastering the Art of Fire Service Leadership. And we are your hosts, Carrie Henderson and Kyle Matusik. And last week, we got into some of the soft skills discussions that are near and dear to Kyle and I's heart that we love to talk about and could talk about for hours. So I don't know how long last episode was, but it was fabulous. And we talked about authenticity, which is my, I think, favorite word of all time. And we ended last episode with a quote, a question that we threw out to you guys to ponder. So we thought to kick off episode six, we would throw around our ideas about the quote and the question that we threw out. So we ended last week talking about a research paper and organizational dynamics. And in the paper, they argue that generational theory creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. You stereotype other generations. When you do so, you treat them differently. So they end up being different. So our question to you guys was true or not true? Kyle, you answered right away before we even let anybody think about it. And you said... (laughs) Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely true. You know, you look at the word stereotype and biases, and it's very easy to grow up with uh, generating stereotypes and biases for certain people and generations. And I think, you know, we just get very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it just becomes a part of our society that we just peg an entire generation a certain way? And then is that prohibiting us from really allowing them to grow? And I think so. You know, we just get used to this idea of what we think people are like when in all reality, we know nothing about them. We just have these assumptions. So it gets us nowhere. And that really was my take on it. And it's, you know, it, it makes us think and it really puts a lot of accountability on ourselves as, as leaders on how well we're doing if we have these stereotypes. And if you do, you're missing out on some, some quality um, capabilities from your people. Yeah, I, I kind of think along the same lines. And it made me think about a couple different things. The first is, I don't necessarily disagree with categorizing people based on the time period they were born, not not necessarily with the generation and grouping them based on because they were born during this time period, then they are this, like you're saying. But I think it is good to realize the politics and the social climate and all the stuff going on during a time period when people are raised. And I think it does shape them to a certain extent, but you are a hundred percent correct in my opinion that it's not an all or nothing. So is there, and I've seen people talk about confirmation bias. And when you're looking at a generation, so let's say you've got a millennial or you've got uh, the newest generation and and you believe that they are a certain way. And so every behavior that they have, you're going to go, yep, see, they, they're, they did this. That means they're lazy um, or that proves they're lazy. And so you have this almost confirmation bias because somebody's already been put into this category and you you must make it fit for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, and it, I think it really opens your eyes to, you know, this is a two-way street, you know, even as leaders, it's not just constantly, yes, we have to adapt to newer generations coming in. Absolutely. That's our job as leaders. However, as the young people coming in, it's good for them to understand 
the generations that came before them and why they are the way they are, you know? So it's a meet in the middle type thing. Um, but it all starts f- from leadership, right? It starts at the top and it's the leaders that have to exemplify those traits on learning to know the newer generation. And then they'll get them to know why you are the way you are, you know? And that takes a little bit of vulnerability and really explaining to people's uh, different things. And that's the challenge, right? That's the hard part of uh, uh, trying to create that type of culture is the vulnerability, I think. Yeah. And I think it all leads to kind of where we want to go with this episode. So all the things we've talked about up to this point about being authentic and values and, and trying to lay off the blame, um, and the vulnerability, all of that leads into the, the topic of emotional intelligence and it's a big buzzword right now. And I, I think it's great. I think it's really, really important because you get promoted as a leader, usually based on some technical skills. Uh, you do well on a promotional exam or you're really great at the fi- on the fire ground. Um, but how well do we assess your ability to lead in the firehouse and to influence and motivate others? And that's where this emotional intelligence comes in. So this episode... We plan to hit that hard and kind of wrap up a lot of the things we were talking about in the previous episodes and how it falls into what makes up your emotional intelligence. Yeah, you know, through the course of our previous episodes, we've used the words emotional intelligence and empathy and compassion. And, you know, that was our opportunity to really dive deep into emotional intelligence and what it is and what it looks like. So we can have a better understanding and start working on these things. You know, the biggest thing when we look at emotional intelligence is there's no quick fixes here. There's a lot of hard work that needs to be done, a lot of self-reflection and introspection that needs to be done in order to start building your emotional intelligence. You know, on the surface, when we look at emotional intelligence, it's really the ability to manage both your own emotions and understand the emotions of people around you. Like that's it you know, right on the surface, that's what emotional intelligence is. And I think, you know, in our industry, we just have a tough time doing that because it's easy for us to put our emotions aside, do the task at hand and move on to the next call, right? I mean, that's the world we live in and we see things that the general public doesn't see and we just are able to be resilient and continue on our day and go on the next run. So, you know, it's kind of this environment that we're in that kind of... uh, perpetuates us pushing our emotions aside. You know, that's what we train to do. And uh, it's not always the healthiest way to live. So, you know, that's kind of on the surface when we look at emotional intelligence, what we're talking about. It's your emotions, understanding those and why they are the way they are. And then once you have a good grasp on that, then we're able to look at other people and understand why they are the way they are. Yeah, it's like putting it all together. So we've talked a lot about I think in some of our episodes, we've talked a lot about our own self-awareness or helping others find their self-awareness, but we haven't talked a lot about, we've talked a little bit, I guess, about helping other people um, and and reading other people and and reading the room and, and, and what you're, what you're getting yourself into before you bring up a topic or before you fly off the handle and, and all of that stuff. So I, I love this topic and it's, I don't think it's as important to say this is exactly what it is emotional intelligence more so as how to how to figure out what it 
takes for you to make yourself better at it. So sometimes when you look up emotional intelligence, they say there's four kind of four aspects to it. Some people say five. I think four is a good place to start. Um, Just four very clear things to work on. And the first is self-awareness. The second is self-management. The third is social awareness. And the fourth is relationship management. So Kyle and I have talked a lot about self-awareness and that really is really the core to everything to get started is that self-awareness or as Kyle puts it, um, introspection. And that's what his paper and Darley is all about. Uh, so if you go back to our first episode, we'll inter- we introduced ourselves and kind of how we got to where we are. But Kyle's paper on introspection, introspection is really good at talking about this. But it's not just understanding your strengths and, and weaknesses, but the emotions that go behind those and how you express those um, and and also the effect that that has on your on your crew or your your team that you're leading. So, any thoughts on self awareness, or do you think we've kind of we've covered that one kind of a a, a a bunch? Yeah, I think we definitely cover that a bunch. And and as we get into the other ones, I think the biggest thing is then you're once you become self aware of your emotions, then you can identify the emotions behind your behavior and behind others' behavior. And then you'll have a better understanding of where they're coming from and how to best interact with them. And that's the whole point of leadership. How do we best interact with our people? Uh, So we need this level of emotional intelligence to be able to get the most out of our people. So that's where, I mean, the starting point is it starts, you know, when we say self, a lot of times it seems selfish, right? And we don't want to live in this world constantly about me, 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 and myself, and I have to do this. But it's, if we want to be effective leaders in growing an organization, growing our teams, you have to become self-aware. And that is not selfish to do by any stretch of the imagination. It's probably one of the most unselfish things you can do because that allows you an opportunity to grow in ways you've never grown before and allows you to be that authentic leader that me and you talk about. So, it, you know, we say self-awareness, but it, it is not selfish by any stretch of the imagination. Agreed. It's- I want so bad as an employee, and this is something that I really am working on. And it's so hard as, you know, personally for me, I want to be somebody that takes feedback no matter how it's delivered to me. Because I know it's hard to deliver feedback and, and a lot of people aren't sure how to do that. And maybe their emotional intelligence isn't up where they want it to be. But I want to be an employee that can take feedback however it's delivered. And so I have to remember that. And that's something for me, self aware that you know, what, it, what is something I can do to receive feedback differently. So that's just an example of, of how some of this could kind of play out. But to move on to the next one is self-management. And that's your ability to manage your emotions, particularly in stressful situations, and to maintain a positive outlook despite setbacks. Leaders who, are, who lack self-management tend to react and have a harder time keeping their impulses in check. How many people do we know yeah. that fall in this category? The, the list is just going off in the head, right? You're like, wow. I mean, it used to be me, right? I, I was there too, you know? So it's not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, saying that <laughs> I wasn't a part of that because I was, and that's how you learn and grow. But yeah, <laughs> you know, how do we manage ourselves and our emotions and don't let those get the best of us and understanding where they're coming from and why I think is the biggest thing is, you know, why and really examining and digging deep down into why we are the way we are and why we can work in these environments. There's usually a story behind why we can, 
go into areas of chaos and operate pretty calm, cool, and collected. I mean, it's an amazing right. trait for us to be able to do, but there's usually a story behind why we can do that. Well, and I think there's an interesting connection here too, because I know a lot of people out there that really lack some of this impulse control, but they tote it as, I don't care. I don't care what I say to people. I can say the hard things and I don't care how it comes across because it needs to be said. And so I'm going to tell you like it is. And so it it's misconstrued as self-awareness. People think, yeah, I know this about myself. I know I fly off the handle, but I always say the hard things. Well, do you get the results you want? Right. So I think that's where the emotional intelligence parts comes in is, yeah, you're self-aware. You realize that you don't self-regulate very well, but how's it working for you? Is it cost tension in all of your work groups? Do people complain about you? Are you getting results from the people that you're responsible for? Can you motivate your employees to change? So that's that's the EQ or emotional intelligence part, part of it. Yeah. I, I like how you mentioned too, with that self-management is, you know, that positive outlook. And I think, you know, we get in these toxic environments uh, and it's very pessimistic environments, you know, and there's little optimism. There's little optimism in our world and within our industry and within your organization. And, you know, as leaders, it's ha learning to have that sense of optimism. And it starts with an emotional intelligence, understanding emotions, or else we just stick to being a pessimist. And we're looking at things with a negative lens. And no matter what, there's going to be a negative connotation to everything that happens in your life. And right then and there, we can see, you know, you're lacking a, a level of emotional intelligence if that's the world that you constantly live in. And our goal is to pull you out of that. Like, we don't want that. And this is how we're going to get away from that. So we can, you know, breed a new generation of leaders that have this level of emotional intelligence. Yeah, because it's there's always stuff in your workplace that you want to be different or better. And that's Absolutely. okay. But it's the recognition that, hey, this isn't so bad. Like all these other things are going well or could go well if I just looked at them through a different lens. So we're not saying everything has to be rainbows and butterflies and right. kittens all the time. But it's it's the stepping back and going, hey, it's not so bad. Yeah. Not so bad. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Then we've got social awareness and, and social awareness is my favorite thing to watch is that's really the reading the room category. It's, you know, your emotions, your, your, it's your ability to recognize others emotions, but it's really the dynamics that come into play with your group. So group dynamics, reading the room. And this is, this can be simple. This can be as simple as stuff with your spouse, like knowing when to bring up certain topics and it, but it, at work, it's so important. It's so important to understand when you deliver messages or when you have com certain conversations or feedback, read the room, hundred percent read the room. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, one of the, things my wife enjoys doing a lot is uh, people watching and you can start building that self-awareness, you know, just if you're going to the airport, just go sit, put some music on your headphones and just kind of watch or don't even play music and kind of listen. And you can start looking at people, you know, as I went through my journey and, and, you know, I, I've, I don't know if I mentioned on here, but I was in therapy for four years. And towards the end of that, I remember telling my therapist, it's like, man, you gave me superpowers. Like, I feel like I can 
like I could look at everybody and be like, there, there's something there, you know? And it's like, I could see things that I never saw before. And you start to have this understanding that there is a story behind all of us. And it's like, we don't want to go there a lot of times because a lot of people don't know what to say if, you know, I come to them and, you know, like my past, my, you know, going through miscarriage, like they don't know how to respond to that. Or, you know, I, you grew up in a, a traumatic household, whatever it is. It's like, there's no way for people to respond. So that prevents people from bringing stuff up about who they are and their stories, because a lot of times it's just shame then, you know, and, or just get over it because there's no, understanding of how to properly respond to that because there's just this lack of emotional connection to human beings. It's just do this, go, go, go. It's like we've developed into this machine rather than this human being that we're trying to foster. Yeah. And I love to look at group dynamics and look at like each shift and each station. Everybody has a different dynamic in their crew. And and when you look at why is it sometimes, now sometimes it's completely related to performance. Mm-hmm. It's just technical performance is is weighing them down or whatever it is. But a lot of times it's the it's the leader and the group dynamics that play into it. And it's I always want to ask the supervisor, like, can you not see what you're what you're doing to this group? And if you would just pay a teeny tiny bit of attention to what each person needs and how it works as a with with your whole group, man, you it could change a whole lot. Because sometimes some of our best technical leaders are just killing it, skills and on the fire ground. But man, they on the flip side, they're killing it right. in a bad way yeah. in the fire stations, and they just bring their crews down. And if they could just take a little bit of time to realize. You know, what everybody brings to the table and what everybody needs at work, uh, it, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. As you you come in and and it can it sometimes it's just as simple as you know you got a guy or a girl coming in and they've worked mandatory or they're working a seventy two or they got something going on at home and they're exhausted and you're like all right we're pulling five inch hose today folks and it's ninety five degrees outside <laughs> okay well. <laughs> All right, you're going to probably get some resistance there. It may be absolutely necessary that you do that that day, but you need to take into consideration and at least acknowledge that people have stuff going on. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, and uh, one thing I forgot about social awareness is I really think that's where empathy, that we've talked a lot about empathy, and I, I didn't want to forget to mention that really that's where empathy kind of falls into and, and the importance of empathy um, and how it helps you communicate better at work. All right. Relationship management is the fourth component here. And that's your ability to influence, coach, and mentor others and resolve conflict effectively. So conflict management is always a big topic in the fire service. And I hear a lot of people talk about, um, we don't hold people accountable. (laughs) Like, okay, well, what would you like that to look like? What would you, if we, in a perfect world, because I hear that all the time in every fire service, we don't hold people accountable. Well, what, what does that look like? Is that discipline? And I think for some people, I think a lot of people think we don't write people up enough or punish people enough for their mistakes. 
okay, there's a component. There's 100% of component to discipline, especially when you need to document behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but where is the performance management and where is the change, the behavior change? How does accountability to me is having hard conversations and it's conflict resolution and conflict management. It's having hard conversations. That's accountability. And it's, I think people get confused or they don't quite understand how to hold people accountable. They just think, well, I wrote you up. I said the hard thing. I wrote you up. Now do better. Well, all right. What about all these other things we just talked about to help change the behavior? Yeah, I think it goes right back to that self-management. And we have to understand uh, the people that were the, the behavior we're trying to change and, you know, our inability, the inability to have those conversations and get on an emotional level with somebody, I think, is yeah. the lack. So the easy answer is write them up. And now I did something and now they're accountable. But at the end of the day, they're not accountable to anything. You just wrote them up. So there might you might just have shamed them more or put more fear in them. And you might not end up getting the results that you want because it's a failure of getting on an emotional level with somebody. And, you know, a lot of times we say that emotional level and people think, you know, we got to be huggy feely and we're crying. No, <laughs> but emotions are so much more than that. You know, we and we could talk all day about emotions and what those are. Um, but it's getting on an emotional level with somebody, having the understanding of who they are as a human being, not just as a firefighter, trying to understand their story, even if they never tell you their story, understand they have one, and then trying different strategies to change that behavior. But that's where I feel the what we're missing is the, the human connection, the emotions, the raw emotions of, of human beings and having those hard conversations. And because people just don't know how to do it. They have no idea. Yeah. And I think sometimes the hard conversation, you know, after the third or fourth time you're you're counseling someone and you're you're on an emotional level with them, sometimes that hard conversation is, hey, I, this job is stressing you out and I can see it and it's affecting your performance. And we've we've counseled, we've coached, we've mentored. Sometimes it's it's helping people make the decision to find a different career path. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not, it, we're not saying everyone, you, you have these conversations and everyone changes and everyone becomes firefighter extraordinaire. It, it's, it's every type of conversation that you have to have. And sometimes it is those conversations of, you know, we're trying all this stuff. What else? What else? And sometimes people come to that realization on their own because of the conversations you have with them and your willingness to sit in that place with them and have that conversation. Yeah. And I think it also (laughs) creates an environment of true human connection. And when you have a subordinate that feels connected on a human level, there's a lot of possibilities that could happen there, you know? But when we are disconnected and it's just... <clears throat> this fear type environment or shame type environment, they're going to check out and not really care what happens. Okay, I got written up. I won't do it again and move on when at the end of the day, there's no change of behavior. So it's it's really that human connection and being on that human level with somebody that we can really start to promote change, see change and and go in a completely different direction. But it's having them feel that 
And I think when people feel that true human connection, you know, the sky's the limit then. Yeah, 100%. So what are some things we can do to work on some of this? Because it sounds easy and we can talk about it all day, but I think there are some resources out there. And one that I think is particularly helpful and we did this at work. Our fire chief made us all the um, executive leadership team for our department had to go take a DISC assessment. So um, it's like an assessment tool that that helps with group dynamics and teamwork and communication. Because we were, he threatened us all the time because sometimes we wouldn't talk at meetings. So he was going to send us to EAP and he was going to make us do all this stuff. Well, eventually we did this DISC assessment and it was, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So it. It, the concept is that everybody falls into a category of dominance, influence, steadiness, or conscientiousness. Um, and, and you take this, this whole questionnaire thing and you learn where you fall and, and how you make decisions and how you respond emotionally based on that assessment. And that was all fine and good. A lot of that I knew about myself, but what was really cool was I had a supervisor that sometimes I didn't see eye to eye with, and we just had a really, we had a disconnect and, and I could, we, we just couldn't get past it. And when he answered those questions and I saw the stuff on his, and we had to talk, we, they made us talk about all the stuff in our assessment. I was like, oh, this completely changes things for me. And once I wanted him to see mine to say, this is why I react emotionally sometimes. And this is, this is what I'm working on. And this is what I need. And these are the words I need to hear. I wanted him to hear those, but I, more importantly, I, it, I loved seeing what was on his because it made a whole lot more sense in the way he supervised me once I saw that. And especially like for, we've got to see what our fire chief says and the the assistant chiefs and all that stuff. So uh, it it was very productive. Yeah. It sounds like a good human connection type uh, uh, exercise. And, you know, we've said it numerous times on on the surface, what the stuff we're talking about is really easy. It's just being a human being to one another, you know, getting back to the emotional level and emotional connection of people. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about when putting this episode together is, you know, how do we really get the point across? And I think for me, I had a lot of failures and it was like really hitting kind of a bottom for me to really change my ways and who I was. So I, you know, I wanted to quick and hit on, you know, you areas that, to, to kind of just put it blunt, you may lack emotional intelligence if, you know, and, and I want to list a few things. And a lot of these things we've already done episodes on and we talked about, you know, one of them is you blame others constantly. You know, you probably don't have emotional intelligence if you're blaming others. It's a simple deflection uh, from yourself. And a lot of these things tend to be deflecting away from our own shortcomings. And I can say this because these were all me. And it was what I used to be and how I learned and grew, uh, grew from. And I'm still learning and growing. I still make mistakes. I still, you know, trip every now and then. Uh, and it's about surrounding yourself with people who are going to help you and lead you along the way and understand you're going to make mistakes. Uh, some other things where you may lack emotional intelligence, you pick out every flaw with everyone else, you know, and you point apart. Uh, tear them down on why they are the way they are or why do they tie a knot like that or why do they pull a hose like that you know there's only one way to do it and there's like it's such a closed-minded type attitude 
You know, other things that we talked about, if you use the term safe space in a shameful manner, like it's bad, or you use the term soft, again, in a shameful manner, like it's bad, you're probably lacking that emotional intelligence. You know, and then finally, for me, it's, you know, you, you shame others for being a certain way instead of learning about them and motivating them on their personal basis. You know, and I think it's kind of a societal thing that we just kind of do that, you know, and for me, it was in the beginning of my career, it was like, you don't have the motivation I do, the pride I do, well, shame on you, right? And I now realize like that was wrong of me. And I, you know, I probably was very, I know I was very ineffective with a lot of people. So like I said, I, those are the areas that I can point out from personal experience that I know I was lacking emotional intelligence because those are all things that I did. What really allowed me to grow was, again, then surrounding yourself with people who are going to allow you to grow. And fortunately for me, it was like some time, some things lined up for me. I was able to move shifts and I was with the best crew I'll probably ever work with in my career. And what they did for me, they will never understand the true essence of what they did for me, but they gave me room to, you know, move on from my past mistakes. And they've become some of my closest friends, which is, I mean, when I look back at my story, it's just unbelievable. Uh, but those are really the the things that I learned. And, and if, if, any of those things that I listed, if you do some of those things, you're probably lacking emotional intelligence and there's some work that needs to be done. And that's all right. We'll help you give it, you know, shoot me an email, uh, hit us up on social media. We'll, we'll help. We're here to help. We'll have the hard conversations and, and try to figure this out because it's just about growing as human beings and, and building ourselves so we can build strong teams and a bright future and just keep our industry and our society progressive. Yeah. And I, I love that you were vulnerable there and I will be too, because I, for me, I think I do a good job reading the room, but my, like I said earlier, my, my weakness is, is feedback. It, I, I, for so long was immediately defensive in feed and receiving feedback. And I want to be a person that, that can take feedback because I want to grow and get better. And I want you to be, feel comfortable coming to me and saying, Hey, I want you to do this differently, or you should have done this differently, or this could have gone better. And me go, Oh, let me think about it. Yep. You're right. Or let me figure let me figure out how to make that happen and and not go well no let me tell you why i did it this way and i'm right and you know I, accepting feedback a little bit better and i'll throw out there too if if you want ways to kind of recognize if you need some improvement how do your conversations go are most of your conversations with others are you misunderstood um or do you have a hard time uh, understanding what people are trying to portray to you. Like if, if you're asking for feedback from your colleagues or your subordinates and they're giving you feedback and you it's strained or you have a hard time accepting feedback from them or you just have a hard time having conversations with other people, emotional intelligence. If you are quick to fly off the handle or if most of your interactions with your coworkers you feel like it's something wrong with them or you're, you're, you're lots of strained interactions at work. Uh, probably some, some of your own emotional intelligence. Yeah. And I hope, you know, the pointing out those things will, will help our audience kind of realize like, Hey, maybe, maybe I have some work to do here and there's nothing wrong with that. We all have work to do all the time. And like I said, we're going to have successes and failures, but it's just, really about that growth as a human being, which, you know, in turn makes us better firefighters and better company officers and better chiefs. And, you know, the, the results of building a level of emotional intelligence are 
just astounding. And it allows so much room for for greatness to happen, you know, for lack of better words, it's, it, it, I mean, true greatness could happen there when we have a level of emotional intelligence and human connection, uh, within every part of our lives. It, it really is a, a strong benefit. Yeah. And I, our fire chief has the idea that everyone will do a disc assessment and that you'll get your results and that when you go work with someone, you can give it to them and say, hey, this is where I fall and this is how I need you to communicate with me. And this is what I need you to understand about how I make decisions. And this is how you can help me with that. So I may be a person, I'm I'm pretty, sometimes almost a rash decision maker. I make very quick decisions, which works really great on a fire ground. Um, sometimes in my line of work, uh, for long-term planning purposes, I need to take t- take a break and I, or I need to slow down and, and take a minute. And so sometimes my conflicts are at work at work are with people who are very deliberate um, tact they, they, like they, the, the way they make decisions is much different than mine and and knowing that about them is important at my level to say, okay, I'm not going to go in there, present my case and get an immediate answer like I like. I'm going to say, I need to go in there with an open mind that I'm going to present my information and present my case of what I want or need, and they're going to need to think on it. And I'm going to have to be okay with that. And, And then usually it's a much better outcome because I've got all this passion and crazy heart driving my decisions and they've got the thought and the, you know, they've taken time to research it. And, and, and so then the answer that we come to is much better as a group. Yeah. Isn't it really cool? Like, you know, you take a a growth journey and you realize that life is about growing, but then when you do it and then you look back, you know, sometimes doing the work and going through these phases of growth are really challenging and can be hard, but then you look back and you're like, that's what I used to be like. I've come a long way, you know, And, and it's, it's pretty cool to look back and, and look at your growth and the people who have had positive impacts in your life and, from what you were to what you are today. And it's, it's, it's pretty amazing just, you know, listening to your story and, and hearing, you know, where you're at today. It's, it's just, it's cool. I mean, that's what we should want for everybody is to have an environment where they can do that safely and comfortably. So, you know, this was a great conversation. (laughs) Um, probably one of my favorites thus far. I know we went a little long, but that's okay. Um, it's it there's just a lot of meat here and a lot of information and it's stuff that we're going to continually talk about like last week you know we ended with a question this week we're going to end with a quote and we want you all to ponder out there and again you can comment on our social media and kind of let us know what you think and we'll answer it and give our thoughts at the beginning of our, our next episode so bill bullard is an educator and he gave a commencement speech at a san francisco university high school and he kind of pulled quotes attributed to Plato and George Eliot and really looked at the uh, relationship between opinion and empathy. And his quote was, opinion is really the lowest form of human knowledge. It requires no accountability, no understanding. The highest form of knowledge, according to George Eliot, is empathy, for it requires us to suspend our egos and live in another's world. It requires profound purpose larger than life, Oh, I'm sorry, purpose larger than self kind of understanding. You know, and that really sums up emotional intelligence. If we do the work on ourselves and then we're able to look at other people and have a level of empathy is really the goal 
of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, so we can be aware of others. So with yeah. that, so, so with that, again, we'll give kind of our thoughts on that at the beginning of our next episode. Our next episode, we're going to kind of tie up season one and we're going to put a nice little bow on it. We're going to differentiate kind of leadership and where it takes place within the, the fire industry, you know, between the four walls of the firehouse and the fire ground. And we're going to talk about kind of the differences because I know we hit on a lot of stuff about emotions and uh, empathy and compassion. Does that have room on the fire ground or not? How do they relate? And we're going to kind of tie everything in a nice little bow for everybody out there and summarize our, our season one in our next episode. So come check it out. It'll be our first season closer and we're pretty excited about it. You know, and a, one small little plug we kind of want to put in there for our listeners too. If you haven't had the opportunity to go to Teeks Texas A&M Leadership Symposium, it is January 8th through 10th of 2024 in San Marcos, Texas. Uh, Carrie and I will be speaking there on January 8th. So you should get a ticket, come on down. Uh, the weather will be a lot nicer for those who live in the Midwest like myself. So if you want to get out of the snow for a little bit, come on south, come check out the uh, Leadership Symposium. It we were there last year and it had some great speakers and we were able to take a lot away with, uh, with us. And, you know, you could come see us speak as well. So for Carrie and myself, uh, we'll see you next time where we will be kind of summarizing everything up and giving our final thoughts on our first season of Heat of Command podcast. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.